Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Swiss Ballers Pod. I am, as always, joined by two absolute ballers, my Swiss friends Toto and Armon are here. We will be later joined. Hello. Sorry, guys, you say your highs first. Go ahead. Hi, Toto, how <laughs> are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Arman, how's it going in Switzerland? I'm good, thanks. Everything fine. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm lesson learned from today is to let you have your first words of the pod before I introduce our special guests. We will be later joined by my good friend Joanne from Barcelona. We're going to shed some light on Barca, perhaps a club that has in recent years kind of evaded the UK spotlight. Uh, we're going to ask him some questions about uh, their money situation over there and where Barcelona are heading at the moment because obviously they'll be back in the Champions League next year and we'll be excitedly watching their progress. But before that, as always, we'll talk Premier League. Toto was at the Olympic London Olympic Stadium at the weekend where Arsenal let slip a 2-0 lead, missed a penalty and kind of maybe started to, if not already, threw away the title, question mark? Toto, how was that game? So, uh, it was, I don't know what to say, because after the 10 first minutes, when they were tuning up, I was like, man, they was just so good. I was with my friend, and we were talking about, like, the fact, oh, they need to score five, six goals, you know, like, to be back uh, about the goal difference with City. Yeah. And we were just like, there was no way they're going to, to draw that game or to lose it. They're just going to win 5 or 6 nil, and that's it. But I don't know, maybe they lose their head or something like that. But it was kind of impressive because, as I said in the group chat, you, I, said, uh, I sent a message to Armand to say, you guys are so good. Because I went to, to see them twice play before that game. And they, were, they didn't have good games. They drew both of them. And I didn't have the, the ability to, to witness them in the, the, the way they play usually in the league. And I wanted to see that in real life. And after 10 minutes, I was like, nah, they are too good. They are going to win everything. There is no way they can't, they can't win the league. And then then here it comes. Uh, Partey lose that ball and wait, wait for handball, which never comes because obviously there was no handball. And then... Gabriel made that foul and then there was a penalty and West Ham are back in the game and yeah, no reaction from the Arsenal player. And yeah, let's see if they can still win it, but I'm not sure about it now. Yeah, I mean, Armand texted yeah. the group chat saying it's over and I'm like looking at the table, there's still the, the, the City versus Arsenal game, there's still like eight games to go, seven games to go now. Do you, after having slept on it for, after, you know, the night, a good night's sleep, bit of distance do you still think it's over Aman? um no i don't think it's over but it's just so frustrating i mean i mean west have even had the game on thursday on thursday as well so it's so yeah. disappointing that we gave up this lead and this, i mean leading up to the penalty we lost the ball so stupidly and yeah it's just i, I mean i would never criticize them in any way because we are not supposed to be here and it's just apart from Champions League everything is a bonus now but it's just so gutting to to drop drop points and I'm not I'm not like angry at the players it's just I'm just so 
sad for them and for yeah for for Arsenal that that we couldn't be, we couldn't get the three points and from the football side yeah it's just you're gonna you're gonna draw these games because it, they are Premier League it's just every game is tough yeah, but, but I, there was no reaction on the football pitch because like after 10 minutes I saw like Gabriel Wezes was playing as a left back I was like nah they really want to win that game they, they're going to put five six goal and then suddenly they, they there was the penalty Ben Roberts score and then there was nothing they didn't create anything uh, apart from the two goals. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you put that down to? Where, where there's is I mean clearly it's a mental issue, right? This is not something they didn't suddenly just stop being the best team in the league yeah. so far. So what kind of what mental factors play into that? Is it the pressure of having to having to kind of almost it's sort of the title is almost theirs to lose now. Is that pressure getting to them or, or what is it a lack of character? What do you think, Armand? I think part of the reason is also that City is really hitting their stride now. And I think it's not healthy to go in a game knowing City are going to probably win everything Mm -hmm. or nearly everything. Um, uh, Every game, I mean. So that won't help for sure. And they always have to come back to when, when City wins. So and yeah, it's just the pressure. I mean, look, look at these so much young guys never been there, and it's just the experience that that they have to make. And they never, you know, when they play in 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 uh, in the in January or in in, in uh, November, it's just like they play with so much freedom because they they just they have yeah. nothing to lose, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. you can't lose now something. And so, do you... every pass you play, every I really, I really could feel that in the second half, every pass they played, every shot, shot they take, it was not one hundred percent, and they didn't go back to how they originally played. They, they played the long ball too soon all the time, holding, and they were, they were so out of character in the second half, which clearly shows that they are not playing with the same freedom and they're not having the same confidence playing the ball between the lines and. And mm-hmm. and uh, creating opportunities. That that's kind yeah. of what we discussed last week with with Dwayne about those those teams having that certain aura of about them almost. You know the Real Madrids in the in the Champions League and AC Milan playing with Napoli because I thought I, I could I felt like I sort of saw a similar thing happen to Napoli mm-hmm. in that game where suddenly everything became much more difficult because the pressure was a different one. You know, in the league mm-hmm. where they have almost nothing to lose and everyone's not expecting them to win, they can still kind of play with that freedom. It's 18 points. Even if they fuck up a game, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And then in the Champions League, suddenly now they're the favourites. Now they're the ones having the big chance to get something. This year is their year and all that stuff. And then suddenly legs get mm-hmm. heavier, passes become a bit more tricky to get right and the pulse is that mm-hmm. little bit higher. So with that said, and obviously you said how flat you're feeling. I can hear it in your voice. It's 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 <laughs> it's, it's tough. You know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's not a defeat, yeah. but it feels like a defeat, and it feels like a yeah, costly it, one yeah. as well. And it, do you think then does this young team, this young coach as well? Let's not forget Arteta has not been a manager for very long. Do do mm. they have it in them to turn it around and kind of 
stand-ups? Because this is probably the biggest challenge they faced all season now. These yeah. last seven games that they yeah. have in their season, now they're by far the biggest ones, probably in recent Arsenal history even. Do yeah. they have that in them? But, yeah, maybe I let Armand speak. Yeah, yeah uh, you can have your say, I'm sure. Um, what I would say is that they always showed character this season when they lost when they lost the game. So when they lost lose against City at home, and City was really on them, um, they showed their reaction and they won every game until Liverpool from the City game. So they showed they have mental strength, but in the end, it's just really really tough. And you have to be firing on every department if you want to win this league now. And with that mental, maybe, to react now is going to be much tougher than in January. Yeah. But they showed me that they, are, they have mental strength. But the question is, do they have enough? And I think it's really good. I hope they can now Arteta can work with them this week not 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 um, from a tactical point of view because it's all set it's all here the master plan is here and we know how we should play but from a mental standpoint just to ease up the pressure guys we are playing for a for something that never no one would expect us to be here and now we have this final against city and we need to go into this game thinking we have this opportunity here and not something to lose in a way. Is and this just go there and think of it as a chance because every team in the Premier League, if you say to them, um, if you win at City, you win the league. Every league would take it. Uh, every every yeah. side would take take it. So you have to go go there with this sort of um, I don't know mental. Mental, uh, how do you say, Ishtelik attitude or <laughs> attitude, you know, yeah, setting, yeah, but yeah. Is this something though? Like, because we've we've always, I remember the the back in the days when United was fighting for titles. There was always this this <laughs> sort of yeah. Back, I'm, I'm putting emphasis on back in the days. There's there was always this talk of this almost immeasurable quality or this immeasurable. Um, thing or, or attribute that a team would have mm-hmm. which is like the experience you know the, the the stereotypical oh they've been there they've done it they've had the title race but, the but is that something is that something that you can like you just said you want that you want Arteta to work mentally on something is that something you can teach with just sitting people down in a classroom or, or just you know doing certain drills or, or talking to them in a specific way is that something you can teach within the stretch of a week or two is that something that literally will only but, come once they break the barrier and finally actually get them at their hands on some trophies and silverware or is that just something you can actually also then theoretically put into the players minds and then they practically uh, show it on the weekend but I think like the the next game is against Southampton and I think that's all the yeah. best game they can have just you mm-hmm. go there you smash them five six nil and yeah. then you you everything will be back and then the five or four or five days later you play against City and if if you win that game five six nil imagine Saka score a hat trick this confidence will be back and I think that's the best that's the thing they need to do and I hope they will be able ever able to do it because I want to see a final against City 
I want to see a huge game. So hopefully they will be able to do it. Yeah. But I think just to have that game sorry. now is the best thing for them. Yeah, go ahead. Just on a mental side, um, Fabi, yeah. I just think it can ease things maybe a little bit. I, I don't expect uh, Arteta to do wonders and every player is just like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, Sergio Ramos with a huge experience all of a sudden. No, not that for sure, but just maybe ease that pressure that, that maybe I can see them going into training today, everybody a bit worried with their heads down, yeah, just a bit nervy and maybe in training you... you you misplace a pass and then you think, oh my God, it's going down from here. I just have this feeling now that this, this, uh, this, it's, it's natural that this will maybe happen. And it's Arteta's job now, which is a very difficult job to just loosen up, lift the mood, maybe go out for a drink. I don't know, something like that. Just <laughs> not take everything too serious and, and have joy. I mean, yeah. we're playing for a league title. Have joy, have fun. Yeah. Um, this is what I was thinking as well because I remember the the Amazon documentary series, the the all or nothing one that came out when last season they were they were yeah. fighting for the Champions League spot and then they lost that faithful game at Newcastle away, Newcastle, yeah. and yeah. which was which was awful for them. And I remember the scenes in the dressing room afterwards and Arteta being so disappointed and the players all being disappointed. I can imagine the mood in that dressing room would have been very very similar to mm-hmm. to that game. You know, kind of feeling like we missed a huge chance here to to get what we deserve, to get what we've been working for for a long time after that horrid start at the beginning of last season when they lost three games, you know, kind of up against it. And then, and same here, you know, like having been leading all throughout the whole season, really, they've been top of the league. And yeah. and that's kind of the first game now where you feel like, okay, it's now, it is still in their own hands, of course, but it's now also in City's own hands, which yeah. that must have felt very similar. And it, it kind of made me think, I hope, I mean, I don't hope it on a personal level, but I hope for Arteta's sake that he finds a way to break the pattern, like you just said, Armand. You know, mm. it's still it's still such a privileged position and it's still like a, yeah. a huge chance to go to City and potentially win a title-deciding game. And that's where, for me, if they manage to spin that mindset around to be like, if we win it from here, it'll almost be even more impressive than we if we had won it more comfortable you know what I mean like it's now yeah, almost yeah. they're now almost up against it again yeah. and if you can kind of tweak maybe. that mindset and maybe that frees maybe, them a little yeah. bit who knows the other side oh of that, that was is, therapy course, guys yeah that's what we're here for man. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the, the other side of that is of course that also and I saw this tweet from Gary Neville when I think Sports Bible said it that like you know Arsenal are threatening to, to bottle it and so on what happens if they if they lose the title here and then Gary said something along the ways of, if Arsenal don't win it, it will be down to nothing other than Man City being absolutely amazing. And I yeah. know what he's getting at, because you to really pip the title from this Man City side, especially the way they're playing at the moment, you have to be perfect. And yeah. that's... I mean, Liverpool pushed them to, what, like 100 points and didn't win it? And it's a kind of a similar thing now, where City, mm. they just make sure... That if you win the title, you'll have earned it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. in the yeah. normal world, this this amount of points Arsenal have with like what they're on seventy four now, if I'm not much mistaken. Yeah, yeah Like with with seven games to go, that is potentially ninety five points that they could still pick up. That's a ridiculous tally, right? That's that's City making sure that they push them all the damn way. And mm-hmm. the way they played, I mean, John Stones 
what a goal he scored as well. And the fact that he's just now yeah. playing in midfield like a seasoned <laughs> midfielder. And obviously Haaland mm. doing Haaland things seemingly since we had that first pod discussion about whether or not he fits in. Um, mm-hmm. He's just been going from strength to strength. Grealish now firing at all cylinders. And they have that big advantage mentally of having been there and done that, obviously. So yeah. there won't be any doubt in that dressing room whether or not they can win the title. They'll be very confident. And I I really felt what Gary said was very true there. Like if, if Arsenal do bottle it from here, it will have been only because Man City did so well to put the pressure on. Because there was a time where, yeah. I, I don't know how many points it was at some point, but I remember a time where you were like, City? Uh, not really, you know. And now mm-hmm. they're right in there and probably, I don't actually know if they're bookies' favourites at the moment, but it does look no, like they not. have the momentum. City are bookies' favourites. Yeah. Yeah. So we have but, to give we have to give them due credit as well. Yeah, and just to say about the, the West Ham game, something that I saw when I was at the stadium, when Arteta did the change with Jorginho and Trossa in, the, I, I saw a real change because Jorginho is the, the the type of midfielder we can have like comp, had compute composure to the to the game, and it mm. was really easier for them to play and Trossa. I think I don't know. Like I didn't check, but he touched so many balls when he came in, and he was so good. And I think maybe he should have done these changes before. I don't know. Maybe after fifty minutes or something like that, because it really changed the, the game for Arsenal. They didn't manage to create, to, to score, to create anything. But I think if you if you had let them more time, the game would have been different. And I think for the next few games, Arteta need to consider that as well. Because I don't really like Jorginho, but the way he came in, it was so good for him. From him, so yeah, let's see for the for the next game. Could it be because yeah. he is a former Premier League title winner? I don't know. <laughs> well, I'll I'll leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave he, that you there. You can see that he plays with a lot of composure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he d- he definitely yeah. plays. Uh, I mean, we just had a we just lost a top of the table clash on the weekend, Toto and I, and. I think one yeah. of the key things you have to do in these massive scale games is you have to play the game and not the occasion. And I think mm-hmm. that's a huge difference. That that must be what you're getting at with Jorginho. You know, he doesn't give a fuck if it's a, a must-win game, seven games from the end of the season. He just plays the game because he wants to win yeah. the game. And that does make a difference, I believe, mm-hmm. that you don't mm-hmm. let the occasion get to you. And if especially if it's a young team and they're, you know, they're so in in it, and suddenly it's they're a bit in over their heads and. Yeah, because Maybe he's the one who won the, the Champions League. He won the league as well. Like, he's done, he, he has done everything. So maybe you need those type of player. You know, when you yeah. play against, when you play that type of game, you need those players. And yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure Chaka also profits from having won multiple Swiss championships at this point, and he's a World <laughs> Cup winner. Let's not forget under seventeen, two thousand and nine. Well, yeah. Say. So yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously a bit of tongue in cheek that last comment, but let's move <laughs> on now to we've di- we've we've discussed Arsenal and um, we've also spoken about City briefly, who beat uh, Leicester at home three nil. We do want to give a quick mention to Aston Villa, who've moved into sixth uh, after beating Newcastle at home three nil. I want to yeah. just give due credit. I mean, we've mentioned it before. He's been in a couple of tops of the league uh, of on this pod. Unai Emery has done such a good job at Aston Villa 
he's just I think he's a bit underrated maybe because of his whole good evening meme potential <laughs> but th- he he is yeah. I mean he's won the Europa League he he's he you know he's won the French uh, yeah the French title a couple a couple of times once I'm not even I sure. think once I think once only once but but he's he's a manager that maybe flies on a lot of people's radars a little bit and he has Aston Villa in sixth at the moment and yeah. suddenly you're thinking well they could be in Europe is he overachieving yeah. or is he just getting out of that Aston Villa squad what there is to get out of them uh, that's tough to say because at the, at the beginning of the season I was talking with my brother and I told him did you see that Aston Villa team I think they've got the player I think they can do something obviously not be in the Champions League but maybe top five top six let's see and then after 10 games, my brother was laughing at me, obviously. <laughs> and now they're, they're back, they're top six, and maybe they can do something. I don't know if they are overachieving. Maybe the past few games they are overachieving because to be to win every game in the Premier League, that's something that not every team are able to do, even though they, they beat Newcastle 3-0 like, like if, if it was Southampton. And yeah, maybe they're overachieving at the moment. But if you take the whole season, I'm expecting them to be top six, top seven. So yeah, but great credit to 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 Unai Emery, obviously. Yeah, I mean, their their season ends with a home game to Spurs, an away game at Anfield, and a home game to Brighton and Hove Albion. And those oh, nine yeah. points or zero points or three points or however yeah. many points they get from that will, I think, largely define how how their season will be perceived and obviously they're on a great run of form and, and do we consider Ollie Watkins uh, an England player? Yeah, you definitely have to consider it now because Yeah, but I think he, it depends on the, the sanction on uh, Ivan Tony as well from the FA. Yeah, obviously that but you have to consider it. I think you yeah. can really see how well he has improved. Mm-hmm. I think because I'm watching the Premier League all all the years and you just see how he improves step by step. I think he made that made um he already made a step uh, last year and his finishing always got a bit better and he has this pace mm-hmm. and he has his strength he always had that. He just mm-hmm. seems like a guy who is really has a good work rate. It's just I yeah. have a feeling with him and I think he's getting he's getting all the credits now, and he's uh, he's very um, potent in front of goal. He's so fast, he's so strong. I mean, it's definitely an asset you want you want to have in, in your national team. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, got, he's got fourteen I, goals now in the Prem in twenty nine starts yeah. this season. And um, I just want to say that uh, I, I picked him up, I think, a couple of weeks ago in my fantasy team. So, <laughs> but as we were talking last time, uh, Fabi. Uh, when we went to the Brentford game, we were talking about Ivan Tony in the English national team. Yeah. And you, you said that if you put Kane on the bench, you don't want to have a player like Ivan Tony. And I'm asking you this question. If you if you have to, to put uh, Harry Kane after 70 minutes on the bench to win a game, would you have? Would you like to have uh, Oli Watkins? Or... Uh, no, honestly, I don't think so. Um... Okay. I don't think I think it's a very similar discussion to have. I mean, yeah. we, this was a discussion we had about whether or not Ivan Tony ought to have been in the in the World Cup squad, and and I I see the reasons why he he should be because he's been banging in the goals and he's a quality player. But mm-hmm. I think the fact that Harry Kane is 
probably the one player that will never yeah. get subbed off, it, it kind mm. of makes their roles redundant because next to Harry Kane, you're not going to want a powerful player who can hold up the ball and, and maybe, um, I don't know, win a header or so because that's very much what but Harry Kane is. But he has Kane that pace is. though. He does have that pace, but if you're comparing him to a pace that someone like Rashford offers or, or someone like Saka offers, you can run in behind. Obviously different players, different roles, I understand that. <laughs> but if you compare even even to Callum Wilson, who's also more kind of... I, I, I perceive him as like a different player type where he's shorter, he can kind of maybe also has a bit more of a turn on him, a bit more agile than Harry Kane. He just offers something different. Whereas I see Ollie Watkins... And don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing Ollie Watkins with Harry yeah, Kane in that sense, but mm-hmm. in terms of the types of players they are, I feel like you'd want someone to kind of complement Harry Kane more. And if I'm looking for that, I'm going to combine... Harry Kane with someone like Rashford, Sterling has done it a lot in recent times. Even even Foden, you know, who can play as that sort of like more dropping mm-hmm. deeper number ten than an Ollie Watkins or a Ivan Tony. And that's really not to take away anything from how good I think they are individually. I just I'm being very specific about where they would fit in within that England setup. And at the moment, yeah. I don't see a spot beyond a like fourth striker choice in that team for either one of them, which is really harsh on their form because I think their form deserves better. But mm-hmm. where England stand with Harry Kane being the captain, with Harry Kane being that kind of unavoidable number one up top, I don't see them yeah. in that setup. Okay, makes sense. But what, what if Kane gets injured? You know, well you then it becomes a different topic, prepared. of course. Then it becomes a different yeah, topic. But but, but then know, during it. During a tournament, that can happen, you know. Absolutely, I mean, that can not happen. A tournament anytime soon, but I think Watkins can, you know, if you're if you're down two zero and you bring on a Watkins, maybe play four four two, with a with a holding midfielder. I can see Watkins in there, you know. I I agree yeah. with you, and at the same time, then as well, you know, those are now we're talking like even more if and maybe. Because Harry Kane's yeah. injury record for England has has maybe not been perfect, <laughs> but he has been around. You know, he's even yeah. though he's had knocks and niggles, he's been very yeah, present sure. throughout all the tournaments. So you don't really gamble on is he going to be injured and what happens if. And even yeah. if he is, I think Gareth Southgate, the way I see him as a very pragmatic manager, he's going to go with who he trusts, and it's going to take Ollie Watkins to continue this form for a a number of months to really prove to Gareth Southgate that he deserves that spot mm-hmm. and maybe also to play for a bigger club than Aston Villa. Mm. Has he ever been with the national team, uh, Watkins? I think he's gotten a call-up or two. He has, yeah. yeah okay. He has. okay, okay. Yeah. I, just, I just really like his profile of player, Watkins. I yeah. really yeah. like that type of striker. But I don't think he will be able to play in another league, in another league. Like, he has to stay in the Premier League. Yeah, he's a very, very much a Premier League striker. I agree with you, 100%. Big, tall, strong, you know, kind of that gritty sort of vibe. I think that would only mean he would dominate the Bundesliga even more. But uh, maybe we don't. Okay, Okay. let's let's not get lost in in too much of of these guessworking games. He's not going to move to the Bundesliga because purely the wages are better up at Aston Villa. Moving on, I want to give a quick shout-out to a player who has gotten a lot of really bad press, actually, um, mainly because I think of his price tag. But I, the, the only game I really watched very, very closely on the weekend was the United versus Nottingham Forest game. I was, I was out and about a bit and had to rely on a lot of watching highlights to, to stay up to, up to date with what's going on. But the United Forest game I watched um, beginning to end. And 
Anthony, the Brazilian right winger at Man United, he has gotten a lot of bad press uh, and bad uh, reviews, really, on social media of players saying of people saying he's not he's flashy, but he doesn't deliver enough. He doesn't score enough. He doesn't. He's more of a of a one trick pony. He only ever cuts inside. <laughs> Which you know they all all these stereotypes and and these things stem from a place of of truth I suppose and and there's something in that but I think this weekend kind of showed very clearly why Ten Hag keeps picking him and why he seems to be one of the first names on Ten Hag's team sheet because there is no doubt that United are a better team with Anthony in the squad just also mm-hmm. because he's very brave he's very fearless he always takes people on he always draws two defenders to him he all i mean the the stats i think i saw a stat pack from one of my favorite bookies to follow he always gets at least like two shots off and i think 1.6 or something on target per he's game a great shot, so he's and he's a great yeah. shot and it's always dangerous and he always causes a defense problems mm-hmm. um so he's he will he will be annoying to play against even though yeah. you know you and kind of know he's a bit and his personality as well you know he played in that very gritty quarter final against Croatia where obviously they lost but it still kind of showed that their managers know they can put him despite his young age into an environment yeah, was... where he will get hostile and gritty and he's not afraid to go up against big strong fullbacks you know and have a go at them yeah but i was saying more in a way like a play as a fullback in Switzerland, and when you play against those type of winger, you want to 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 kick him every time yeah. that he gets the ball, and he talks so much. So yeah. I think like in a in a tough game, there was there was he's the type of player that can have a fullback get sent off, and I think as Grealish was before for Man City, now Grealish is way better, but he's the player that can have foul, that can. Yeah, make a, a fullback and hungry and maybe have a red card. And I think that's very important to have that those type of player. But obviously, as you said, he can do a lot more about than just that. But yeah. yeah, I agree with you. He's he's he seems to be really really strong on a on a mental level as well. Yeah. And I'm as 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 for me, the more I see of him, the more I'm happy that he plays for United because I think <laughs> he's woefully woefully underrated and someone like Sancho ought to get a lot more stick because he seems to be just not right in the head at the moment in terms of right in yeah. the head sounds it sounds harsh but I mean like yeah. in, he, you can just tell his confidence isn't where it was when he was wearing a black and uh, yellow shirt <sighs> at Dortmund thing, sorry yeah just one last word on the Nottingham Forest um, game maybe Nottingham Forest are so bad so yeah, simple. Can, United made a meal of that. Thank you to Completely, they it could have easily, maybe should have easily been five or six. United made a meal yeah. of not scoring their chances, of not t- putting the game to bed earlier. They did have a few um, goes, Nottingham Forest, which is always going to happen with people like Maguire and, and Lindelof, who I thought had a good game actually <laughs> in defence. Yeah, uh, they were very good. But they looked so poor. They looked so just really not potent at all uh, and and don't, I don't I don't have faith that they'll turn it around unless there's some managerial change that will happen soon I don't see what could keep them up they just don't look like a team and they didn't yeah. really threaten enough for me a, a united team that had I think 10 players out um mm-hmm. and 10 players that we're, we're talking players like 
Martinez, Varane, Shaw, Sabitzer got injured in the warm up. Uh, Rashford Rashford. was obviously gone you know that players that would you would have seen in that team sheet if they had a full squad McTominay as well another name so they were there for the take or they they were there at least for to have a go at them and Nottingham Forest just never really did and I I really fear for them couple more teams we want to mention in the Prem we'll we'll talk about Bournemouth uh, in more detail soon because they beat Spurs Spurs, yes. Spursing again at home to Bournemouth. <laughs> we saw our good friend Ben on Match of the Day telly. He's having a, a blast of a time supporting the Cherries at the moment and we'll have him on the pod hopefully shortly or soon at some point, not in this episode. And we'll we'll talk with their, I don't know, their rise really from the ashes because they were done and, and dusted at some point in winter and now they're they're seemingly getting out of the mud any other yeah. shouts we need to give for premier league teams Can maybe crystal say, palace oh sorry shortly oh, sorry. on anthony um i think one problem he has he's a very good footballer and he's very young and he's gonna adapt to the premier league and um, i think he's a very good player and I'm, i don't worry about him the problem with him with the media you said and the price tag i don't think he's a, a likable guy i don't really like him yeah. He's, he seems like a bit of a prick and he always gets tangled in in these stupid little fights and then he makes his his stupid skills and if you can just cut that out he will be so much more regarded I think and it's just mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that about Anthony yeah That's I agree with you. sorry yeah. go ahead yeah. with Palace I'm sorry yeah maybe we can give a shot to Palace three games three, three win but yeah I don't know if it's the job from Royotson because I think we were expecting them to win even with Patrick Vieira those games. Yep. But yeah, they're, they're like now three points away from Chelsea. They are <laughs> three points away from Chelsea, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe worth a shout as well. But yeah. <laughs> but as maybe we were saying last time, you, you see like Bournemouth won against Liverpool, then they win against Tottenham. And then West Ham draw against Arsenal. And when you look at Nottingham, Leicester, Southampton, they just lose every game. Yep. Even though, when, even when they play against teams like Everton, Leeds, West Ham, Bournemouth, those type of games you need to win if you want to cha- stay in the, in the Premier League, they don't win it. They just lose every game or maybe they can draw maybe one game. Maybe, yeah, it can happen. But yeah, I think they're going to stay down. The two of them, they're going to, to be back in the... In the in the championship, Leicester yeah, play it, Wolves next weekend. I think this that is, is a really that is game. a massive yeah. game. Yeah, huge game. They play Wolves at home, and I think the likes of Madison and and Ianacho and all these guys need to show their quality and step up. Otherwise, it's going to get really, really grim soon. Yep. Yeah, and if you look at Southampton, they need to play against Arsenal next game. Nottingham need to play against Liverpool. I don't see them winning those games. They just. Don't yeah, seem to be able to win points. Of, of kind I of think resigned already. Going, I yeah. Think, yeah. Uh, yeah, but even Nottingham, even Nottingham, Nottingham yeah, I they're in deep trouble from what I saw. I, um, I didn't, I didn't watch the game against United, but from what I've seen on the highlights and what you guys said, they just can't win against Liverpool. No, I don't think so either. Let's Leeds play Liverpool tonight. That's going to be an interesting game as well. Obviously, yeah, huge, yeah, huge ramifications for friends of the table. Yeah, we'll we'll pick it up. As well. Yeah, we'll pick it up on the next. Pod. Let us move to the Bundesliga. I know you watched 
Schalke versus Hertha on Friday, and that's not a personal attack and to the lack of activity in your private life. <laughs> but what was that like? Because Hertha lost 5-2, they're, they're back in deep shit. Um, yeah. They are. They sacked their coach as well, Paul Dardai, uh, their former player, has actually taken over the reins there for the third time now. He's got six games, and they are five points away from safety. Yeah, I didn't watch the full game because obviously it wasn't the best game ever, but a lot of goals. And I think it, I want to, to say that Schalke are going to stay in the league, and I hope so because I want to see Arrivia Derby next year in Dortmund. So I hope they will stay in the league. But it's going to be a tough battle at the, at the bottom of the league. Even with Bochum, Stuttgart, Schalke, Erta Berlin, I don't think they are, they are, they are down Berlin. They, they can still go, go up. They, they can still stay in the league. They are five points away from Bochum. But yeah, it's going to be a, a tough battle. They need to do points against teams. Like, we're going to talk about it, but Stuttgart drew against Dortmund. That's the type of game when you where you need to, to have points. And yeah. Yep. Let's let's go there. We have a we yeah, have no, the title we race. Be, we can, yeah, we can speak <laughs> hey, about the black well, path. Yeah. We have a we have a, a we have a title race in the Bundesliga, which hasn't been no, the case for a long time. Toto, I promise you, for me it was really therapeutic. I'm already feeling better now. Just let it out. Yeah, okay. let it all out. Okay. So what happened basically? Let me explain to the listeners who perhaps don't follow the Bundesliga as closely as the three of us do. Bayern had a home game to Hoffenheim. They went one 0 ahead through Pavard. Then uh, Kramaric free Kramaric. kick hit the back of the net. Yeah. wonderfully again. I think Sommer should have done better, which I yeah, was quite definitely. protective of him, but I think he should have saved that yeah. one. Yeah. And they drew 1-1 at home, obviously not good enough. Tuchel has now won one out of his first four games. He, wait, is that true? He lost, he won, yeah, he won one. He and won yeah, against us, against us. Oh yeah, so he won two, apologies, two of his yeah, first yeah. Uh, five games. Um, yeah. Poor goal difference, obviously almost out of the Champions League. The Safe to say the immediate impact they were looking for has not arrived. No. But then Dortmund were 2-0 up after the first half at Stuttgart. Stuttgart yeah. had saw a red card as well. They were a man down. And Stuttgart still found a way back, come drew to 2-2. And then Reiner scored the winner in the 94th minute. <laughs> or so we thought. And then Stuttgart pulled another one back to end the game at 3-3 in what can only be mm-hmm. described as a massive opportunity missed to really catch up okay. Bayern on points because the goal difference will not do Dortmund any favours. Yeah. Ah, Toto. Is it same, same, same as Arsenal, really? Just missing their own chances or what, what went wrong? There? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's very different from Arsenal because, as you said, Arsenal are having a good season. It's just City are too good. But I think... When you look at Bayern, they're not that good in the league this year. Yeah, I agree. To be honest, we 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 are people said that we are having a good season because of the unbeaten one we had uh, after the World Cup and everything. But we should be five, seven points out of Bayern. The the game against Werder Bremen that we lose, then the game against Schalke that we draw, this game against Stuttgart. Uh, I don't know, and. Yeah, Armon, you were backing uh, the the team, but for me, uh, as a Dortmund fan, I don't think we can back them. If you want to win the league, you have to win those games, and every year it's the same situation. We we lost yeah. points against team that are at the bottom of the league, and yeah. 
think for you guys it's a bit of a, a different situation because yeah. as you said Arsenal are not are not used to being up there and I'm just really happy that we are there and for Dortmund it's more of a now we now we it's the same downfall again but what I would yeah. say about out um, um Bayern I watched the Bayern game um the, the I watched the whole game and mm-hmm. they it was the first first uh, first time in a very very long time when I thought Bayern actually deserved to, to draw a game at their own ground okay and they didn't time for sure yeah, yeah they didn't create in the first half, they didn't create nothing. In the second half, they created a bit something, but it was not enough to, to win the game. When... And and it showed that, I mean, maybe after all, second August one wasn't all bad. Yeah, uh, maybe, all maybe they missed Sadio Mane. I'm going to leave it there, boys. We... <laughs> no, but just, just to, to add something, even last week when they, they, they managed to beat Freiburg, they won that game one year from a long shot from, from Dulli, who comes out but of nowhere. Very, very. Um, I watched the game as well. They had okay. so many chances in that game. They, yeah, but they, they didn't score in that game. Yeah, I know. Okay, they, but they, when you have so deserve, many chances, yeah. I think you you deserve to win the game. You know. Okay. Yeah. But against Hoffenheim, yeah, but... they didn't deserve to win. Okay. Yeah. We'll leave it there, boys. We'll um yeah. we'll keep watching that. I think there's there's probably another sort of the, the another comparison that we might draw between City Arsenal in the title race and Bayern Dortmund is, is the fact that one team has that experience, knows how to win it, even though they might not be in great form as City are, Bayern yeah, have the and experience. To... And the other side of it is that Dortmund, have they the have... Yeah. Yeah. Now we, we, we've got the experience as well, but we've got the experience to bottle it. So exactly. It's a different experience. doesn't look <laughs> the same. Let us move to sunny Spain. I know there's a few shout-outs we want to give later on to a massive game in the French League as well, and we'll obviously come to our Swiss yes. stories before doing our top and flops. But now I'm very excited to to connect to my good friend, Joanne Payat. He is a, a good friend of mine who I met at film school. He is from Barcelona, big Barca fan, and he's always my sort of source for, for gossip in and around La Liga and Barcelona in particular. First and foremost, Joanne, lovely for you to join us. Thank you very much. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I'm, I'm good, man. Just enjoying the, the sun we're having these days here in London. Very nice. Obviously, Barcelona, this comes off the back of not the greatest Barcelona performance after drawing 0-0 <laughs> to Getafe. But there's, you know, there's 11 points. You're going to win the title this year. Um, the first question maybe in regards to that is, are you, is this going to be a good season for Barca? I I do think it's an improvement from the previous season. I think like Barcelona is still on a post Messi um, era, and they're still trying to find like what the future for the club is going to be. Um, I do think there's been a lot of goods this season. I think like definitely an improvement on, over the previous one, but there's definitely a lot of room for improvement in some uh, crucial parts of what makes hopefully a Barcelona title contending or like aspiring to win like big titles like the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, obviously we had this huge situation last summer where everyone seemed to be of the understanding that there's no money at Barca and then they go out and splash the cash on buying what felt like a hundred different players all over Europe uh, and no one really knew kind of how they were doing it, how they were pulling that off. 
how how is it looking? Are they as broke as everyone thought they are? Are you confident that you'll again strengthen next summer, or what what's going on? It, it it is a very tricky situation, and I think a lot of it just kind of escapes. Like it's, there is not a clear uh, image on a lot of things. I think also like a, a lot of like media just kind of like, generalizes. Mm-hmm. Uh, different things to make it seem like into one like for example you know like this summer they're going to start uh, renovating the stadium so obviously there is money that is being invested on things uh, I think the biggest issue with Barcelona at the moment is the salary cap um, and I do not know fully how it is regulated in the Spanish Liga but I know like things like renovating Gavi and renovating certain players issues has has come from the salary cap uh, that they have, that they've got uh, too much. They they can't pay their players, or they can't afford. What, what, how they're not it allowed. Happen? They're not allowed to pay them as much as uh, yeah. they would want to. Or it's a, there's a, I think there's a there's a limit on how much they can spend per per squad, depending mm-hmm. on a certain amount of factors, and they are over that limit. Okay. Or they, yeah. And how yeah, are they? I, I, yeah. Go ahead. Maybe uh, maybe talk about the, the the Gavi situation as well because we saw that there has been a, a problem with the with his contract and maybe I, I saw on Twitter I don't know if it's true but maybe he's going to have negotiation with Chelsea because he's angry with the Barca board so maybe if you can I don't know if you have information about that as well. Um, yeah, Gavi last season and this season he's playing with. Uh... Like junior team contract, he's paying with a contract that he had when he signed like 16, 17 years old. Um, <clears throat> as wow. he is eighteen now, he's allowed to be, you know, just get like a proper uh, first team uh, contract, which obviously would in- increment like his wage, but also like it allows him to have like uh, it just it's just the just a professional contract rather than the uh, the one from be- being just like part of the Barca juvenile team. Uh, mm-hmm. However. The, because of the salary cap, the federation blocked, or like basically didn't accept the the new contract, so they had to revert to the previous one, which mm. means that he will have to just become a free agent uh, on summer, which yeah. leads to the risk of potentially him leaving. Obviously, isn't that mind blowing? That a club of the size of Barcelona has a absolute gem from their own youth academy like Ravi and they can't they can't play him and they can't even sell him because he's not under contract that is wow he, he, he can he can play uh, he can play like not as normal um, until the contract is up though no yeah but the, yeah obviously is that a result of the, of the former contract. management a former president that messed these things up or where does that What's, I don't what, know, what went like, wrong? There's been so much dodgy things going on with the club for the last ten years. Like, yeah, it's just they're in huge just, debt as well. I mean, they're just in huge debt. Yes, yes. COVID obviously didn't did not help with it, but there, there's been so many like bad uh, decisions being made that they are all like it's all folding. It's all falling now. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's just like. Even from like the when they signed Neymar, there was there was never like clear. There was so much money that was kind of like it was kind of like a, it was murky waters on like those contracts and what payments were going to whom and stuff. Um, mm. You know, even if like Neymar might have come like double the price that it is officially stated that mm. he came type of things. You know, so like I think there's been a very bad 
managing of the team in general and yeah. now they are trying to do anything they can to solve, you know, save the team you know, in a way just kind of keep the status of the club without having it to sell it or well, not sell it because the, the club is, is owned by by the members um, it doesn't have an owner um, but you know it could have it could mean that they have to sell the club you know and become like an own ba- owner based club which would probably be a catastrophe a catastrophe for the for the for Catalans and, and Barcelona fans alike yeah. yeah yeah even though it would probably save some money issues are you confident in the leadership at the moment are there what are you expecting from this summer um I'm not sure like I think I think we might see some players go because they still need to like clear um salary space um like I think like the priorities which uh, I think it's like for them is to be able to uh renovate uh Sergio Busquets uh I just barely read the, the the top of an article the other day about that he might be getting a massive pay cut um just for a, an extra season and stuff so they can potentially maybe afford to just like sign some reinforcements but I think we'll see some people leaving uh for sure who are you expecting um, to to leave uh there's been a lot of names being tossed there's been a lot of the of the uh, on the the strikes uh, a lot of the strikers like uh potentially Ferran potentially Ansu um yeah. Rafinha perhaps even because uh, I've been seeing his latest performances that he he sometimes seems to clash a lot with Xavi especially when he's like subbed so um, we could see some people leaving um but I don't think they will bring that much money uh, yeah I know so they, uh, they are asking a yeah. hundred million for Hansu Fati. Imagine a hundred million for Hansu Fati. Uh, I'm pretty sure PSG would though. be stupid enough to pay it. Nah, nah. <laughs> they paid money for Heze all the way back in yeah. 2013. <laughs> yeah, they're they're dumb good. enough to that's buy Hansu Fati for hundred million. Heze was a good player, though. I admit. Sure. Yeah. What a shame. And for Stoke as well. Joanne, just just quickly, is there? With this, this obviously we. I mean, there's the club is in is in a tricky situation off the pitch. Let's talk more about on the pitch now. Xavi has been in charge uh, for I think a year and a half now, if I'm not much mistaken. He took over halfway through last season. Is there a a how happy are you and how happy are in general Barca fans with with how he's managed the how he's dealt with the job? Obviously, exited the Europa League fairly early and and lost the semi-final to to Madrid at home which was a painful one but he's winning the league in his first full season he's is there a pressure on him to play a certain way of football are they happy for him just to kind of win a title how what what's the perception of that I think overall um there's been quite a positive uh response to Xavi uh in this last year like I wouldn't say he is like being perfect obviously like there's been a lot of like learning experiences and I think a lot of decisions he's made have affected the team negatively but at the same time he is someone that has the backup of uh, the crowd uh, he also has the backup of like some of the oldest players in the squad as he basically he, pay- he played with them and he's played with a lot of them and 
I think the biggest thing is he's still a very young uh, coach. And, you know, like, it's always a gamble. You know, like, obviously, Barcelona has been extremely lucky that in 2009 they gave the same chance to, like, Pep. And that paid off completely. But, you know, Pep is, like, one in a million. Yeah. Um, It it would be ridiculous to ask him to achieve what Pep achieved, you know, just completely changing the way that the team plays and uh, just in the long term, just uh, the the way the game is played in general. Um, I think Xavi's Barcelona has a lot of goods. Like, I think it's been, it's, it's definitely been the the strongest our defense has looked in years, at least consistently. Obviously, it's failed on the most crucial times. Yeah, you've only conceded, like, what, 10 goals in the league this year, this season? So, somewhere uh, around that, yeah. Nine. Nine, even, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And then four in one game against Madrid when it matters the most. But yeah, go on, Dran, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's that thing, right? Like, there's there's been such... Like, it feels like the team... At times, they are all like they are all in the same page. There's a lot of uh, effort being put. Like you know, like something that used to lack in Barcelona sometimes that attitude to wanting to like you know run the extra mile to like fight that that every ball you know from beginning to end. Um, but at the same time, it does also feel like a team that sometimes lacks attacking personality like where the game just kind of goes back to more of the same like a lot of substitutions feels like it's it's more everyone can see them happening and it doesn't really sometimes affect change the the way that the game is played which just which is like it's far from ideal it's more of a pragmatic uh, but, approach to to proceedings as maybe before, under other different coaches yeah um but overall, like for example, yes, the the defeat against Madrid uh, a couple of weeks ago was it was tough. But it it's the first defeat that he had against Madrid. Like we we we've beaten them three times this season uh, against yeah. one. Um, obviously, one of them led to the Super Cup uh, victory in January. And yeah, but and again, it was games, a game. With, yeah, it was sorry. a game where there was a lot of injury. You you had in those in this game I think Christensen wasn't there uh, at the first game Lewandowski wasn't there like huge player were out because of injury and I've got a lot of friends who watch Barcelona and they told me we won we win games but we are not massive we we don't seem to to we just win games one nil two nil something like that and that's it we are not as good as we are expecting, but we still managed to win games. I don't know if you if you can agree with that. I would say. I mean, that's definitely been that's definitely been a a fact, really. Like even before, I think like the most crucial injury this season has been the one of Pedri, because yeah. he he is the person that brings the magic. Like he's the person. Dembele as well. Just yes, yes, yes. But Pedri, if I had to choose between. Having yeah, Pedri or Dembele, I would I would definitely have Pedri. Um, but like there was a even before he injured, like the there was like a month before that where Barcelona basically won one zero for like three four games in a row uh, mm-hmm. on the league, and they were rough games. Like you know, it's very it's like it's one of those things that it's just teams played very defensively in the league against Barcelona, 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, they have for the last 10 years, especially, you know, when Messi was around and stuff. Yeah. And this specific group sometimes struggles to fight that block. Um, but as they're also strong defensively, it just ends with games that not a lot happens and there's a lot of crosses and it, it feels like sometimes that they just don't have a, a clear goal or personality when it comes to the attack, but they're just kind of like try anything mm-hmm. until it's something works. Surely that's something yeah. that won't last or won't satisfy Barca fans for very long. I mean, maybe in the short, yeah. while they're rebuilding in the short term, that will be okay. But at, at some point, you'd expect Barca to play the Barca way, surely, in the in the near future. Mm-hmm. True. But the Barca way always consisted in relying a lot on like the individual uh, capacities of Messi. And obviously, that yeah, is something that will not be uh, happening again. Yeah. Yeah, I think so, Barca like, fans need, need to come to, to terms with that they don't have Xavi in Messi anymore, that there is yeah. going to be maybe a change a bit in the style of play a bit as well. So, because they were just so good. They were, in my opinion, they are the best team ever. And I think Barca fans need to, and you as well, <laughs> need to settle, <laughs> settle for maybe a, a bit of a less exciting way of playing, but maybe a bit more... Uh, is is that something that you can see happening, Dran? Is that something? Are you are you okay with winning the league the way you're winning the league, with perhaps only nine goals conceded, but also <clears> only <throat> I don't know how many they scored off by heart, but not as many 53. as fifty three, which is not yeah. for a champion of Spain. It's not that much. It's no. It's been. I think I do think the team needs a change in terms of how they approach games, uh, especially because a lot of times what I've seen this season is not really exciting. Like, I think some of the best games have come against the bigger teams because it's been more of a... They they, they, they play with more space and sometimes it feels like, you know, no. they, they play more comfortable when it comes to attack and, like, they feel... It feels like the team has, has been lacking freshness when it comes to scoring goals uh, as of recently. Like, uh, for example, now they've gone... Um, is it three, four games without scoring? It's over five hours that Barcelona hasn't scored a goal, which hasn't happened since uh, in fifteen years, basically. Um, it's ridiculous to to think about it. Actually, it is a crazy start, yeah. So, like, a def- de- de- there's definitely a change needed, especially because as well, like you know, like people like Lewandowski, he's not going to be here for long, um, and none of the attackers are proving to be consistent mm-hmm. enough or at least to the level it's expected so there's a are change you, is needed for sure okay are you happy with the profile of players they're signing I mean obviously they're signing players like Lewandowski Depay with all very high wages isn't maybe you think it's a better approach maybe like Arsenal to sign like a Gabriel Martinelli or like a bit more that up-and-coming player you can develop because Lewandowski I don't know how much how much does he earn a week uh, no idea. yeah, yeah but probably lot, crazy amount <laughs> yeah and I and think they just signed Gundogan as well I think there's talks about it um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I sometimes disagree I, I wasn't personally too keen with Lewandowski coming just because of the age and the, the salary and the and I think like the team is in such a it has such promising young talent 
Mm-hmm. That I think it's it would be great if they reinforce that, creating yeah like an arsenal scenario where you have, you know, you bring some maybe people who are, who are like twenty five, twenty six, and they're like yeah maybe not there yet, but they are on a good trajectory, and that they fit the the game style in a way that just they play better because of the game style really benefits them, which I feel like sometimes yeah, exactly, in Barcelona yeah. and Madrid happens that the same players that they really don't fit what the team plays and then mm-hmm. they, they struggle, like Coutinho. Um, yeah. Griezmann as well. Griezmann, there's, yeah. There's a number there's of them. An infinite list. Joanne, yeah. I'm going to have to let you go. We've just spent 20 minutes talking about this very interesting topic and I'm sure we could go on for another 20, if not more. Thank you so, so much for hopping on this podcast and giving us some insight on from what in England can only be described as a sleeping giant, I think. It's going to be quiet around mm. the Barcelona front and I'm sure before long, money or not money, we'll be hearing of them back again on the on the biggest stage. You're more than welcome to stay on, of course. Otherwise, a big thank you from all of us here. And uh, I'm sure we'll, you'll, you'll be back to give us more insight once once the new season starts, once the title's been wrapped up. And speak soon, yeah? Speak yeah. soon. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, boys, we're going to skip the Swift stories just for today because that went a little longer than expected. I do want to do the the top and flops of the week um, after those very interesting insights by by Joanne on FC Barcelona and their future. Arman, have you have you got your tops? Do you do you want to go? Do you feel good I've to go first? I'm good to go. First. Okay, interesting. Hit me. So top, um, I have Gary O'Neill. Yep. Be, because he turned it around. Bournemouth uh, manager, Watkins. for those of you who don't know this, he's the Bournemouth yeah, manager who's now... And I think a lot of people want, want, don't really know how to deal with him because he was like such an unknown manager. But I think yes, you have to give him a lot of credit for what he's done in the last couple of weeks. Yep. Then um, Watkins, again. Yep. Um, Thomas Reis from Schalke. Yep. Then flop, I have uh, Sanchez from Tottenham. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, he looked woeful. Man. Do you know what I thought oh. he's harshly done by? Do you know? I mean, for those of you who don't know this, so what happened was the the, the Tottenham versus Bournemouth game. Uh, he, San Davins and Sanchez got brought on after thirty five minutes for Clément Longley, who I think went off with an injury, and then they concede two goals three minutes after he he gets brought on here they concede a goal he doesn't really cover himself in glory with it they concede another one right after half time seven minutes after the second goal flies past Hugo Lloris he gets subbed off again after only playing like what 25 20 23 minutes <laughs> so yeah big flop but I think he's harshly done by it because I don't actually think he's done too poor of a job and they went to a back four afterwards I think which kind of needed a, one of the defenders to be hooked and I can see why you want to keep Romero and Dyer on so I don't think yeah. he did as bad as it looks but obviously you know he didn't the cover himself in glory either. the story is still yeah. very funny yeah, yeah. 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 He, he, from, uh, I don't know for me he looked awful he was so he was yeah he didn't look great um, but what I'm saying is he didn't it's not like a howler where like oh my god what is he doing you know yeah for, yeah let, let, let's just move on okay um then I have Gnabry. Yeah, he is so out of form, and he misses a lot of chances. Yeah. And I never really, I never really fell in love with him when he was very good as well. But we can 
cover it maybe later or on a different day. <laughs> Ex Gunnar as well. Yeah, and uh, Trippier. I think it should have had a very bad game, really bad game. And uh, yeah, I mean you can, you can. He has an amazing season, so not bad. But I think That's we true. can mention if he has a bad a bad game as well. Yeah, I think Hull of Newcastle just were were off it. Yeah. yeah. Dotto, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Uh, my top, I'm going to go with Johnstones. Uh, not only about his goal, but maybe this world season and now his new position, the way he managed to adapt to play as a centre-back that can turn as a CDM. And he has done that so brilliantly. Like, he was so good uh, during the game against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. And yeah, I think it's worth giving a shout about it because I think he's one of the best centre-backs in the world now. And yeah, I'm happy for him because he was so good at Everton. Then when he came to City, he had a difficult time. And now he's back in form and we can clearly see that he's a really good player. For my flop, I'm going to go with Arsenal and Dortmund. Uh, just bottle FC, both of them. We talked we talk about it uh, before. I'm, don't, I'm not going to talk more about it. But yeah, big flop for both teams. And just... yes, that's it. I'm just going to quickly mention mine. Obviously, I've spoken about Anthony and, and Nottingham Forest, respectively. I do want to give some credit to Fulham. They were threatening to kind of float into like that that sort of mid-table nonsense, end of season, not really got anything to play for vibe. Uh, but uh, Willian was back for them after suspension, and, and they really did well to get three points away at Everton. They were really good value for for their money. Um, and really turn it around. Marco Silva deserves a lot of credit for the season they've had. Uh, 42 points in this situation, comfortably staying up. Maybe a top half finish is on the cards for them. So shout out to to, Ever- uh, to Fulham, sorry. Uh, and and um, a flop has to also be mentioned to, to Chelsea, who I don't think we've spoken about today. <laughs> Lose again at home to Brighton, which is no, which is no like oh, you can lose to Brighton nowadays. They're a very good yeah. side. But the fact yeah. that Frank Lampard has come in as sort of a rescuer and he hasn't even picked up a point yet, uh, it's, yeah. it, I, it's just it's shambles at the moment at Chelsea FC. Not even top four yeah, in London. Yeah, but they score still. a goal. They did score they a goal. Score and goal. the fact that we're yeah. celebrating it shows how far they've fallen. Uh, we've <laughs> gone long, Toto, but you did mention in the chat before, do you want to give a shout out to the, the top of the table clash in France? So yeah. I'm going to let you have that before we sign off. Yeah, it, uh, on Saturday night, there was the, the Paris Saint-Germain Lens game, which was the big game of the season. Uh, Lens were six points behind Paris, and there was maybe a way they can come back on them if they won that game. And after uh, 19 minutes, uh, Abdul Samad uh, was given a red card for the for I think it was a correct decision after that tackle on Akimi, and yeah, after that, when you play against PSG. With Messi and Mbappe, they, they managed to score three goals and the game ended with a 3-1 win for Paris. And uh, now I think the, the season is over. We've got our Ligue 1 winners of the season. I don't see Marseille or Lens able to come back after they, they are eight and nine points behind Paris now. So, yeah, I think the season is over. Credit to to them for having that battle with Paris, even though Paris are not the it's not the best team they had under the the Calvary, uh, project, but still to to be to be here until the end of the season was a great job from from both teams. So yeah, just wanted to to mention that. Yeah, PSG almost ending their own season there because now they're pretty much yeah. through. 
All right, boys. I will leave it here. Thank you to everyone who stuck with us until the 67th minute of this podcast. Thank you to my Swiss baller friends. As always, uh, absolute pleasure to talk football with the two of you. Uh, we'll be back very soon with a, another episode of the Swiss Ballers Pod. Another thank you also to Joanne. Uh, yeah, I'll sign off here, boys. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.